We did it. We're streaming. Please clap. All right, cool. I'm going to invite Shame this up now. All right, inviting you back up again. I invited you to be a speaker again, Seamus, if you can see that. Thank you all for the clapping. You know this is not my strong suit. <laughs> Seamus, if you can hear me, I invited you to be a speaker again. If you don't see that, you can request to be one and I'll make you one down there at the bottom. Anyway, did everybody have a good day today? Throw up your emojis and tell me what kind of day you had using emojis. The heart with a plus sign while we get Seamus's technical issues down. All right, I like that thumbs up day. That's what I'm talking about. Let me see what kind of day I had. That's what kind of day I had. Hell yeah. Look at all these positive days. All right. Seamus, I'm inviting you to speak again. It works well on an iPhone if you're on an iPhone, and I do that over a laptop. Oh, no. Thumbs down day. Yomo, why do you have thumbs down day? That's not good. I like laugh emoji days. Those are good. I took uh, my dog for a ride today. He enjoyed himself so much. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Are you there? Seamus? Yes, I can hear you. I'm here. Okay, cool. We did it. Awesome. Okay. All right, let's just get started before either of us have any more technical difficulties. <laughs> All right, so your book is Controlagarchs, and it peers into the future and provides a haunting and revelatory expose of the globalist elites playbook for the next five years. So you're kind of an expert on this Davos WEF crap that we find ourselves drowning in. Yeah, yeah. Sadly, it's uh, it's not a fun existence reading hundreds and thousands of pages of World Economic Forum dribble and fear-mongering and trauma porn, but uh, somebody's got to do it. So I did it. I worked with a gentleman. The quote you just read is from a gentleman named Peter Schweitzer. Mm -hmm. uh, some may know Peter from books like Clinton Cash, Secret Empires, uh, profiles in corruption. His latest was red-handed, and uh, we yeah we blew the lid off the Clinton Foundation. We uh, were among the first, really the first to blow the lid off the Burisma Biden pay-to-play scheme. 
Uh, and that's when I sort of cut my teeth. I've worked with Peter for over a decade and mm-hmm. cut my teeth following the money to the Clintons, to the Bidens, the China dealings. Uh, we exposed insider trading in Congress and stock queen Nancy Pelosi. Mm-hmm. Got a few 60 minutes hits from that. And so that's really our motto is to follow the money. Um, and so during the pandemic, I mean, I think we all got this feeling that our politicians are really puppets and uh you know the circus that happens on capitol hill that's not where the real power lies it's a a, an elite class above the political class um, a group of people i call the control oligarchs and it's a very simple uh, portmanteau of the word control and oligarchs Um, we talk about oligarchs in silicon valley Um, before that it was really these russian industrialists and kind of conjures up images of these uh, billionaires uh, on yachts eating caviar. Um, but we realized that we in America live in an oligarchy of sorts ourselves. And that would be, you know, the, the, the tech bros um, and also the Wall Street guys. And, uh, you know, all of these elites who fly to Davos to plot out our future, um, you know, the next five years, I think the next two years are going to be uh, pretty turbulent um, and really critical for the future of humanity because the control oligarchs, they're not just waging wars on farmers, waging wars on cash, waging wars against the family, against tradition and values. Uh, they're waging war on humanity. And these guys are really uh, anti-human at their core. They're Malthusian. They believe the earth is overpopulated. And, uh, you know, I'll, uh, I'll stop rambling and let you ask some questions about this. What do you think why like why this has always been my question because we know that these people they want less people is it because less people are easier to control and they could maybe maintain a dominant um seat at the table if there's less of us to fight back i I never really understood why they want less of us is is that do you think you're exactly you're exactly right josie your instincts are dead on it's uh it's actually outlined in an ancient text and i and i went through the history so that you don't have to Mm -hmm. reading hundreds of rockefeller foundation reports i mean these ideas go back a century at least i mean thomas malthus is you know a couple of centuries so um they believe and it's outlined in a book uh titled uh, the Prospect for America. It's a 600-page book. It is boring as hell. Um, and it was worked on by a guy, Henry Kissinger. A lot of us have heard of Henry Kissinger and all of the awful things that he did. Um, Henry Kissinger was really an agent of the Rockefellers. He was a special advisor to the Rockefeller Brothers Fund. It was the Rockefeller Brothers Fund that produced this book, Prospect for America. And in that book, which was read by JFK. I mean, this is 1950s, 1960s, and into the 70s. In that book, uh, which was read by JFK and really world leaders all over, um, it lays out uh, why they wanted uh, the Japanese to stop having so many children. Um, This is after World War II. And they actually specifically talk about with less Japanese, there's less soldiers to fight. And then it's the same thing with China. A lot of people believe that China's one-child policy was concocted by you know uh, you know dictators and communist leaders like Mao or something. No, no, this was the one-child policy was concocted by Western uh, economist types, World Economic Forum types, um, who said that you should have one child because you're going to get overpopulated. It's actually not in. We are seeing this now. It is not in a nation's interest 
to have less babies. It's actually in the nation's interest to have more babies. More mm -hmm. babies equals more people. More people equals more laborers. You don't have to import from the third world. And there's a cohesion and family units and all of that is really good stuff. It was this book that uh, in Kissinger, this is before he became Secretary of State um, and, and into the Nixon administration, he was, and this is actually before he was a Harvard professor. And by the way, he was a mentor to Klaus Schwab, who everybody knows is the front man ringleader of the circus in Davos. Uh, Klaus Schwab was mentored by Henry Kissinger. Kissinger had learned working with the Rockefellers that we need to depopulate the planet. Less peasants equals less uprisings. Mm -hmm. And so uh, going from there, I mean, that's sort of what the World Economic Forum was founded on. They realized that overpopulation is not good branding. It's not good messaging. You tell people have less babies, they don't really like to hear that. And that's where we get a new crisis, uh, which is the climate change crisis. And it, and it took on various forms from global warming to global cooling, ozone, uh, and eventually the eternally convenient climate change. And it's existential, so they can control it. They, they have the scientists that know what it's about, and they're able to say, well, Climate change affects uh, affects low populated areas. It affects low income areas. It, it affects black people more than it affects white people. You know, and they're able to kind of work it around whatever model they want to work it around and blame the climate, which is something existential that we can't do anything about. And then say, okay, well, we can fix it with you know these 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 treaties. We can fix it with paying taxes, and we can fix it with giving you less food to eat, you know? And when none of that works, because none of it will, because our earth is in a natural cooling cycle and a natural warming cycle, naturally, that's just what the earth does and it's how it's done since its inception. None of that's gonna work. So when it doesn't work, they're gonna say, oh, well, we just didn't go far enough. And they'll continue with these draconian rules to these starving, disarmed populace you know it's it's very scary the stuff that they they want to do and i mean it's all kind of been revealed with covid and i'm not sure if they meant to do that yeah you're so right and i mean i don't want to spend too much time in the ancient history because the book is really about what's coming for the future coming down the pike with artificial intelligence and how that is going to usher in new whole new systems of control but just uh uh, like a last point on the ancient history here with Klaus Schwab. I mean, he studies under Henry Kissinger, and then he essentially the World Economic Forum. It was started as this thing called the European Management Symposium, uh, and this was affiliated with another NGO called the Club of Rome. And the Club of Rome is, uh, you know, still active today. Uh, they're very famous for putting out this book. So, you know, Prospect of America. If you want to read six hundred pages, the Limits to Growth is the book put out. Uh, by the Club of Rome, that's much shorter. You can read through that, and you can see it is filled with nonsense, filled with uh, total lun like lunacy uh, predictions, hockey stick graph type things, if you're familiar <laughs> with the hockey stick graph. And, and what the limits to growth essentially said is uh, we have X number of people, and if we double that, we're going to run out of resources, and this all amounts to a crisis. And out of that kind of comes a lot of the... Uh, you know, birth control and, and population control and abortion. I mean, it, back then it was sort of taboo. This is before Roe v. Wade. Uh, kill your children, kill your offspring, don't have kids, you're going to kill the planet. That's really what comes out of limits to growth. Well, they actually, you know, computer experts uh, said, let's take a look at these models and see if they're legit. It turns out they were totally bunk. I mean, it was totally made up, just like a lot of the climate data is totally made up. 
And nonetheless, the World Economic Forum was started using this limits to growth. I mean, the very first World Economic Forum meetings had the authors and, and were really pushing this this book. And they continue to push it today. If you just search limits to growth and World Economic Forum, you'll find that they've rehabilitated the report. They update the, the models and the data every year to continue to have these doomsday predictions. But what all this really means is that crises equal control. They figured that out a long time ago. And whether it's a real crisis like uh, you know starvation or poverty or diseases, real diseases, um, you know they'll leverage those to their benefit. And so, of course, Bill Gates is one of the central characters in this book, and and he learns from the Rockefeller Foundation that if you claim that you're solving diseases, countries will just fling open their doors and give you the keys to the kingdom. And so that's you know Bill Gates is in Africa, he's in India, he's all over the place, um, claiming to solve the crisis of diseases. What he's really doing is generating patented medical products that he can profit from, um, of course, and, and patents are a huge theme in this book. But bringing us forward to the Great Reset, I mean, the world has effectively shrugged uh, at climate alarmism. I mean, you know, there's the, the true believers and the left-wing folks who are totally terrified of the planet ending. Um, that's obviously not going to happen. In, in fact, they didn't get the memo from Bill Gates himself just two months or three months ago. Bill Gates actually said in an interview, the planet is going to be, quote, just fine. So all of this alarmism, and now Bill Gates is saying, actually, no, 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 it's, it's going to be just fine, which we all knew. If you ever saw the George, George Carlin stand-up bit, it's like, you know, the planet is fine. It's the people who are screwed. <laughs> um, and so uh, that's true. Like, the planet's going to last a lot longer after us, and some plastic bags and, and uh, CO2 are not going to kill it. Um, and, that, and that should be obvious to everyone. It's not. But anyway, so you get to 2020, and people are not buying climate change. Well, along comes, very conveniently, this very scary virus. And so that kicks off what Klaus Schwab terms the Great Reset. A lot of people have heard of the Great Reset, and that's really the flipping off, flipping the reset switch on the economy, turning it off and turning it back on again, locking you down, locking your kids down, uh, you know, crushing small businesses. So all the control oligarchy companies can scoop up market share, um, and they don't have to lock down, of course. They can fly around the world on their private jets. Um, but what's coming next, and we're in this phase now, is that obviously the build back better has become a toxic term, but if you study what Klaus Schwab said about the Great Reset, is he says we need to build back in a greener way. And so, of course, the climate hysteria continues, uh, but it's, there's a couple other things that people kind of miss, and this is the fourth industrial revolution, and this is the digitalization of everything. And so that would be your IDs, your currencies, uh, your education for your kids. Everything's got to move to like digital, social, emotional learning, digital ID. Of course, people know by now that that's, a, that's kind of a Trojan horse for a social credit score. And then the fourth industrial revolution is this AI revolution that we are in the middle of right now. And they're definitely trying to legislate that really hard and take it out of the hands of private citizens so that they have all the power over it, which is also pretty scary. I have a question for you. So you, we were talking earlier about John Kerry and his role as climate czar. However, they just replaced him with John Podesta. Do you think we're moving into like stage something of this great reset and they need John Kerry elsewhere? Or do you think John Kerry fucked up? Well, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't want to speculate on the, you know, I, I speak with the facts only. Mm -hmm. If I were to give you my opinion on what happened, I yep. think 
John Kerry got grilled. I mean, I, you know, kudos to Avi at Rebel Media. You know, he got grilled. I don't think, I mean, here's the thing. And, and here's what gives me a lot of hope is the people are waking up. They're getting, you know, these guys are getting grilled on the streets of Davos and they're not cool and popular anymore. They're like they, they thought that they, they think that they can still go around and say, oh, we're saving the planet and that people are just going to buy that crap. <laughs> Obviously, they're not saving the planet. Obviously, they're just seizing power and control and profits to themselves. Um, and so I think, you know, John Kerry's, uh, you know, he's probably just like, you know what, enough of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but also to your point, I mean, John Podesta, everybody knows is a bad, bad dude. He's so, a bad dude. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, uh, I don't like, I don't like John Podesta. He was kind of in a role similar to this before he took over as the official, uh, climate czar. He was, he was overseeing the uh, slush fund, the Inflation Reduction Act, so Ugh. ridiculously and uh, you know satanically titled. I mean, it's so it's so messed up how these guys use the total inversion of terms. Um, it was not the Inflation Reduction Act, obviously. It put a four hundred billion dollars <laughs> slush fund in the hands of John Podesta, who we actually broke some news a number of years ago about how John Podesta was uh, profiting secretly uh, while he was in the Obama administration from a biotech company called Jewel Unlimited, and it was actually funded by Russia. But I digress. I mean, the guy's a total profiteer. Um, You know, look up Jewel Unlimited and John Podesta and look at the work Schweitzer and we did on that. He was uh, totally on the take and getting money from Russia, ironically, right? Mm -hmm. You know, the uh, Russia, Russia, Russia people were actually the ones taking the most money from Russia. Um, The iron law of woke projection never misses. Yeah, no, never. So we'll see what John Podesta does. It's probably not going to be good. Um, but, you know, like I'm kind of less afraid of the climate stuff and more afraid of things like disease X. And really, I mean, you know, we should probably spend a good amount of time talking about like how AI accomplishes so many goals of who I call the control oligarchs. Because, you know, it seems cool right now. I mean, I don't know, depending on the audience member, you may think, oh, it's really cool. And it's helping me do some really awesome stuff with content creation or, or synthesizing, you know, thousands of pages where I only need to read a few bullet points. It's all, it's all great. It is, it is miraculous. I mean, I'm not going to be a Luddite here and say that AI doesn't uh, have some amazing opportunities, but we can tell if you look really closely what their plans are for AI and really their plans are is UBI. They plan to wipe out a ton of jobs um, with, you know, you know, all kinds of jobs. I just read a Microsoft.com article the other day about how uh, OpenAI and Microsoft are basically going to render radiologists, of all things, obsolete oh because, you know, the GPT can read the scans better than a human can and it can detect, you know, problems better than a human can. You can see all kinds of areas where AI is going to be better than humans are. Um, and so the IMF actually at Davos, the uh, managing director, her name's Kristalina Georgieva, she announced that uh, the IMF projects 60% of jobs in Western countries, countries like ours, America, mm-hmm. uh, will be affected by AI, and most of those will be negatively affected. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I got my baby girl in the background. Uh, most of those will be negatively affected. And so when you're talking about 60% of jobs or maybe 30% of jobs in the U.S. Um, being either wiped out or disrupted in a big way, you're talking about tens of millions of people's jobs. Mm-hmm. And so it's no coincidence that uh, OpenAI, uh, the maker of ChatGPT, is funding the largest studies into universal basic income in human history. They know that it's going to displace a lot of jobs. And so what that means is 
what are those people going to do? And you see the videos all the time online, at least I do, of people kind of usually sitting in their car uh, crying about, you know, the cost of rent and food and housing is too much and even having two jobs is not good enough. You can see, I mean, you already see the demands for a UBI check coming. And uh, Adam Schiff just uh, introduced the legislation. He wants to do a pilot program for UBI. And in Europe, UBI is already, you know, sort of commonplace. Um, and so what does UBI mean? It means it's creating a whole dependent class. Um, people may have seen the videos of Yuval Noah Harari, the World Economic Forum visionary, talking about how there's going to be a whole useless class, people who have really no function. And if you think that, uh, you know, getting a UBI check, they're just again losing your job actually might be the best thing ever because now you can take up cooking classes or finally learn the guitar or learn how to paint. Like they, these guys are not going to be paying for you to have a lovely... Uh, cultural lifestyle doing no work. Uh, Sam, Sam Altman actually has projected, you know, in, among his UBI studies, approximately how much you'll be getting to lose your job to AI. And he says $13,500. And you may think, you know, I could, I could live on $13,500 a month. That's not bad. Uh, no, he says $13,500 per year. Yikes. So this is a whole new welfare class. Mm -hmm. And what is that? Like, what, what, like, like, uh, items on the control of dark agenda does that accomplish number one digital id you may think to yourself i'm just not going to comply I, re I refuse to get a digital id well lose your job try to feed your family and they're like saying you can't get the check without a digital id a biometric you know linked to your identity digital id you'll take it in a second they were working to try to force that during COVID with the VAX passports. Um, a lot of cities, they said, if you don't have a passport, you can't participate in this part of our life. And that felt like a trial run for, for digital everything and for UBI. That was horrifying. It's why I left Massachusetts and came to Florida. Yeah, I know you're exactly right. It's been a real blessing living in Florida. I traveled to New York during the pandemic and was denied entry to many places. Mm -hmm. I mean, I you know, thought I'd test it out and I guess I got to get Uber Eats uh, while I'm here in New York. You can't, can't socialize, you can't go to events, you can't go to restaurants. So you can see, I mean, it sounds to, to many people, it sounds like what I'm saying sounds conspiratorial and oh, you know, tinfoil hat. Mm. No, 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 we've already lived, we've lived through it. it. You can see these authoritarian impulses with the things like the vaccine passports, which you, I, you're right. I mean, it set up this whole green pass system, QR code scanning, and oh, it can't come in. Um, it's what they have in China. And so I'll give you spoiler chapter 10, the end game of this book, is they want to set up a total, uh, you know, surveillance system, much like they have in China with full, you know, fully complete with a social credit score, where if you're a dissident, you're denied access. So we just talked about vaccine passports, but we've got more examples. The uh, the truckers, the trucker convoy in Canada. The other thing that uh, AI and UBI will usher in is the CBDC. You may think, well, I'm just going to refuse the CBDC again until you need the check. And mm -hmm. then you'll have millions of people demanding a CBDC because then you'll be able to get it a split second faster, immediately, instantly in your hands. Well, um, you can see what happens with this sort of de facto social credit score. If you become a dissident if you try to protest other things like, you know, gun confiscations or imagine anything else a tyrannical government like uh, they have in Canada might try to do. Uh, they'll just shut off your bank account. They mm -hmm. did it to the truckers in, uh, in Canada. Uh, in Ireland, there were big protests recently due to a, a stabbing by a, a, a perceived migrant, I guess, an Algerian immigrant. 
Um, and they were, you know, the legislators, the Irish legislators were talking about not just locking people up for, quote, hate speech for saying something like Irish lives matter, but they were actually de- debating how do we freeze their entitlements, which is essentially UBI. So they wanted to seize that money. Um, once you, once we get into this system, it'll be almost impossible to get out of it. And uh, again, the January 6th protesters are another example where government working hand in glove with financial institutions, Bank of America, for example, uh, no warrants, just offered up information on any account holders who happened to be in D.C. that day. Um, AT&T offered up your geolocation data, you know, just for being in D.C., not even in the capital. Um, and so this isn't far-fetched. This isn't like, you know, oh, down the road, we'll, we'll know when the tyrannical system gets here. It's here right now, and they're full speed ahead. I mean, they've got the Digital ID 50 and 5 initiative, Bill Gates, Rockefeller Foundation, United Nations, uh, saying that digital IDs will be rolled out in 50 countries within five years. It's, it's all here. So that's the five years down the road. I think it's a lot sooner, actually. Yeah. Um, so I had a few questions about different chapters of your book here. I know we started 10 minutes late. So um, do you want to go 10 minutes over? Normally, I'd start a Q&A right now. Yeah, I mean, I got all the time in the world. Okay, perfect. All right. I always want to be respectful of time. So, okay, cool. All right. So can you walk us through uh, Bill Gates' $11.7 billion food takeover scheme? Um, What's the real reason that he's snapping up all of America's farmland? Yeah, sure. So Bill Gates, everybody, you know, know, until a few years ago, thought I was a software nerd, like, you know, computer programmer guy. What does he know about global health? or certainly today, what does he know about farming, Farmer Bill, huh? Um, is actually, I uncovered this strategy, I mean, and, and again, the history, the past is prologue, as Shakespeare said, so you got to go back in the history to really find out how these guys tick, and, uh, you know, we don't have enough time to get into all the details about how his father really built Microsoft and his mother helped out, and he's not quite the genius that he uh, portrays himself <laughs> to be, um, but in, in the 1990s, uh, Microsoft was... Um, Put, it was under investigation by the Justice Department for antitrust. It was using all of these anti-competitive strategies to, uh, you know, strangle uh, the market, strangle its competition, corner the market. Um, and they uncovered the antitrust uh, prosecutors and uncovered a strategy. Bill Gates talked about the strategy. His executives talked about this strategy, and it was called the Embrace, Extend extinguish strategy alternatively uh embrace extend exterminate they use them sort of interchangeably and so what is the embrace extend exterminate strategy uh first microsoft would enter into uh, an industry a market uh you know sort of part of the computer market for example the internet browser uh market and they would embrace all the standards and say hey nothing to see here we're just making our own internet browser and you know don't don't mind us um and then they would extend, they would extend their reach, install their browser, Internet Explorer, on every single computer, um, and you couldn't not have Internet Explorer on your computer. And then in the final stage, the extinguish or exterminate stage, they would, quote, cut off the air supply, end quote, to their competition. And the example is Netscape browser. And they would do that in a number of ways by uh, pushing for changes in the standards of Internet browsers. And, and you know, today, and, you know, it's a little... Uh, technical, but today, kind of imagine how making it so that an alternative browser wouldn't be able to play a YouTube video, and that would render the other browser basically obsolete. Same things happening in the farming industry and in a number of other industries. I mean, you sort of did it with uh, with pharmaceuticals, where you know you you know you ban the competition, 
which would be the generics, you know, so you got to get the uh, remdesivir and the, uh, you know, the jabs, but uh, you can't use, you're not allowed to use the uh, cheap generic alternative uh, right down to like vitamin C is not good for you. <laughs> I mean, kind of ludicrous stuff. Um, but no, with the farming industry, so he enters the space, he starts buying up farmland. Uh, he actually starts investing in uh, these alternative meat companies. He's investing in alternative milk companies, alternative even breast milk companies. He's got bio milk with a Q, which is creepy. Uh, a number of, I mean, uh, you know, I, too many for us to list on this this uh, space here, but I mean, I, I talk about APL, the, the coating that is, you know, quote, generally recognized as safe that is now all over your fruits and veggies. Um, he's got, you know, fertilizer companies. He's got an $8 billion, $6 billion investment in uh, this water uh, company, Ecolab, which handles all kinds of sanitation services in the uh, archi- uh, in the agricultural space. Um, and so essentially he extends his reach. So he's embraced, he joins it, nothing to see here, I'm just Farmer Bill, extends his reach, buys up more and more land. I mean, at this point he's pushing 275 acres, which makes him the largest single individual private owner of farmland in the country. Uh, he's also like the largest investor in these alternative meat companies like uh, uh, Impossible Foods or Beyond Meats or motif food works i mean there's again too many to list um but he's pouring so much money into these things this is the extent phase and now we are seeing the extinguish or exterminate phase where he puts the competition out of business that would be your local family-owned farm been in the family for generations just go ask a farmer uh anywhere you know go find your local farmer ask him if their business is getting harder or easier more or less profitable less you've got farms going out of business left and right he's scooping up the land for pennies on the dollar and it's all under the guise of saving the planet of course it's not about saving the planet nobody knows uh sustainability better than a farmer if they're not using sustainable practices they're going to go out of business because they're overworking their land so they've been doing this since the dawn of time um and it's not just bill gates he's kind of cornering the u.s market but it's it's conagra it's monsanto it's royal dutch shell it's all these multinational uh, corporate factory farms. They're doing it in Holland. Uh, That's why you see the Dutch farmers uprising. You're seeing actually farmers all around the world uprising right now in Germany. They just had a win in Belgium, which is optimistic. Yeah, no, it's you. I mean, they they, know the farmers are rising. I personally believe the thing that gives me a lot of hope is the farmers. Mm -hmm. Uh, Everybody loves farmers. Farmers are not political. I mean, they may vote uh, more to the right, but ultimately, everybody knows where their bread is buttered, where their food comes from. It is the farmers. So people have a uh, instinctive love for farmers. And so when you see the farmers getting pissed, and in France, you know, they're dumping manure and spraying it all over the government it's building. Beautiful. You're kind of like left, right, and center. You're kind of like, yeah, go farmers. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all, under, again, under the guise of saving the planet. It's these fertilizer restrictions. What the fertilizer restrictions are about is making the competition illegal so that the farmers are forced to, to buy. And again, Bill Gates has massive investments in, uh, you know, there, like there's this joint bio and it's like kind of in uh, a joint venture with Bayer Monsanto, which is a new, you know, a GMO effectively fertilizer, self-fertilizing crops and kind of things like this. It's all patented. And so what a patent is, is obviously a 20 year long monopoly. It's something that Bill Gates has done for decades is, is patenting and licensing. It's, you know, if you read the book, you'll learn about how his father was an intellectual property attorney and really came up with a lot of these business strategies for screwing over the competition uh, using patents and licensing.
So what you had mentioned about Europe, um, everything that they want to happen in the United States is going to happen in Europe first. Europe is the test ground because Europe is mostly, for the most part, disarmed. So they're able to do more damage there, whereas um, we have three times as many guns as the government here in the United States. So they're, they're doing it there first. They're test running it, everything they want to do over there. We're seeing it, we're going to see it happen before it happens here. So we're, we can be prepared. We can make a game plan because we're going to know what's happening. But what we have here that they don't have over there is we have a republic of 50 states. So if they want to, if, if they want to do something federally, any of the states per the 10th Amendment can just say, no, you can't do that. We're not going to abide by that. And we've seen uh, Governor DeSantis, for instance, said CBDC is not going to be allowed in Florida, not doing it. So so we do have a lot of them, especially during COVID. We saw which ones kind of had their their finger on the pulse when it came to um, the abuses of the government. So we're lucky we have that. And that was the fail safe that our founders put into the into the Constitution to say, if, if you ever have a tyrannical governor, or if you ever have a tyrannical government again, and you will, this is how you're going to stop them with the Ninth Amendment and with the Tenth Amendment. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, I applaud, I mean, a lot, you know, living in Florida is, is great. Uh, come one, come all. Uh, mm -hmm. Florida is open, and uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful free state. And I applaud uh, Governor DeSantis' moves against CBDC and against ESG, which is mm -hmm. a critical component of the Great Reset and Klaus Schwab's and Davos's plans. Um, and also and another thing DeSantis just did is he he made it illegal for fake meat to be yeah. for fake meat businesses in Florida. You can't do that. And so that puts a damper on uh, Bill Gates once again. So, you know, I've, I've enjoyed him as my governor for sure. Yes, totally agree. All states need to, to start uh, doing likewise and banning, uh, you know, things like fake meat. Stop your state pension funds mm -hmm. from investing in uh, ESG. I mean, a, a lot of any of you with, uh, re, you know, retirement accounts, IRAs, uh, investment accounts, you really need to like drill down and look at where your money, because you kind of like your employer takes it out of your check and puts it into, you know, something that your employer chooses or even a company that your employer has hired. Uh, go look at where your money is going, because right now, so many of us are funding our own demise. It's most likely in a BlackRock iShares retirement account. Uh, and BlackRock, invests in ESG things. They take your money and they invest in woke capitalism, which is actually a total, it's a total failure. So they're going to lose your money. Like you'd be much better off choosing your own retirement accounts that are not funding, uh, you know, woke uh, uh, type operations like BlackRock is. Uh, and so, so that's, that's an important thing that you can do right now is look at where your money is going. You got to support your local farms your local farmers. I mean, you know, what does that mean if, you, if you're not really aware of that? It's like, actually, go, go look on wherever you look, Facebook, and, you know, wherever for a farmer's market, go to it. You know, you might think, oh, it's got to be more expensive than the grocery store. It's actually not. I just. Oh, you cut out, Seamus. Seamus, are you there? Then it would have cost me uh, at the grocery store. And it's all. Yeah, I'm here. Can you okay. hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. You're back. Hey. Yeah, yeah, I got it. I had a call come in. Um, yes, I mean, so it's actually cheaper to uh, shop locally. So it kind of used to be like a left wing thing, like a hippie thing, like, you know, buy local. But that really is a lot of the solution. A lot of the solution to these globalist caused problems are solved at the local level. And you've got to vote with your dollars. Make sure you're not funding your opposition. Mm -hmm, definitely. All right. Let's take some questions from the audience. I've got a few in here. If you all. Uh want to ask a question you go ahead and request to be a speaker down there at the bottom and i'll make you one 
And then uh, once you're ready to speak, there's a heart with a plus sign, go all the way to the right, and there's a hand. You hit that hand and it's gonna show me that you're ready to ask your question. Um, all right, cool. All right, probably jump ahead to a Baptize Machine podcast. Hey, thanks for, thanks. This is Hans. Um, I'm just curious how you navigate like a woke farmer's market. I'm based in Boulder, Colorado. Um, so out there, you know, it's a bunch of liberals selling their vegetables. So what would you recommend? Well, I mean, the, you know, liberal, like, the, you know, the, 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 the liberal farmers that, you know, they are not the enemy is what I'd say. And I, you know, I've been getting a lot of great feedback. I mean, it may seem like it and, you know, they may be totally, uh, you know, hopeless, but honestly, like we, uh, left and right populist peasants as the world economic forum would call us. Um, uh, we got to band together. And so you gotta, like, I mean, you, you know, support them by, uh, sharing the truth with them and, and, and saying that they're, you know, tell them about Bill Gates. Here's the thing that, I'm getting such great feedback on this book about it. And I really wrote it with the Bernie bro in mind is like, yeah, the billionaires uh, are a problem. Some of them, a lot of them actually. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to uh, <laughs> taxing Bill Gates at a much higher rate or taxing uh, Mark Zuckerberg or, or Jeff Bezos at a much higher rate because they really are uh, plundering and, and stealing and, and putting the competition, which would be us out of business so you know you might you might try appealing to them i, I you know that i don't know if you're you're going to agree with that but um you know yeah. we got we to wake these people up and, and i think uh, liberal farmers might be a great start yeah, show them what's going on in europe you know there's no republicans or democrats in europe show them what the farmers in europe are going through mm, yeah I, I do appeal to them because I'm, I'm working with them to help uh spread the medicinal mushrooms out here so that's another way to fight back against the pharmaceutical companies I know, I know all kinds of, I mean, you know, the libs are, uh, you know, from time to time, it can feel like a total uh, hopeless cause. I mean, I got one uh, who I'm, I'm texting with now and I ask him, what's the limit on uh, illegal migrants that can come in the country? Like uh, a billion? Is that too many? And <laughs> he responds, unlimited. So, yeah, I mean, I, I feel uh, your pain if it seems like it's, you know, you, you know, just yelling at a wall. At the same time, I, I think maybe the farmers might be uh, one, ones that you can get through to. Yeah, we're, we're connected on the psilocybin mushroom, so thanks for your answer. All right. Thank you, Hans. Uh, David, go ahead. Yeah, I just want to say I live in Florida. I'm in the Tampa and Lakeland, Polk County, Hillsborough area. But um, the biggest issue down here that I'm seeing right now is Republicans are trying to pass a bill. It's SB 1122. And their purpose is to remove the authority of local cities and communities and put it up to the governor and the secretary of secretary of state. And what they're saying is, um, if you decide what's best for your community is to remove a Confederate monument and put it somewhere else, then we're going to override you and we're going to remove you from your elected officials office. And as somebody who believes like in libertarian values, and it's like, nope, we're, we think that the government should be closest to the people. Mm -hmm. It's very disturbing to me. And this is something that DeSantis is pursuing. Mm. And he's, he's, you know, like falsely alleging to be a small government Republican type of person. 
what he is saying is if you guys decide that these monuments need to be moved, then I can remove your elected official from office. And so that's... That's that's, alarming. What do you think about that? Yeah, it's SB 1122. You should look up that. I actually, I'm the libertarian chairman for the region for this area, and the NAACP has contacted me, and we may join together to fight this, but it's, it's very disturbing that he claims he's a conservative and is trying to do something like this. Is he, how, how is he, um, what's his position on why he's doing it? Does he give in an excuse for being how it's conservative in his eyes? Uh, so the two senators, it's State Senator uh, Martin and Yarborough, mm-hmm. have submitted this. And I've had a couple of different attorneys and elected officials, because I'm friends with both uh, uh, Republicans and Democrats who are elected in office, right? And I said, hey, can you look at this and tell me what you think? Mm-hmm. And they all think it's alarming. So, like, um, it goes even as far as saying um, – even if you are an elected official and this is what your community wants, we're going to remove you from office. And so, like, I, I just don't understand. Is it against, I, I'm just trying, so to understand what's going on, you have to understand kind of the process. Like, what is he yeah, thinking yeah, yeah. to do this? Right, so is he arguing, um, like, I'm not defending it by any means. I'm alarmed by it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. is, is he arguing from a place of checks and balances? Is he arguing from a place of um, killing the woke? Um, like no, So, so it's, it's killing the woke. Yep. But it's also uh, we're protecting monuments mm-hmm. is what the guise is. So, like, say, so, like, I live right now. I live in Lakeland. I've lived in multiple cities in Florida. But, like, I live in Lakeland. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mayor of Lakeland is amazing. He's a conservative, but he's also like a we're going to do what's best for everybody type of person, right? Mm-hmm. So we removed the Confederate monument from the center of our downtown area and put it in a veterans memorial park, which is very honorable, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And so under this bill that Martin and Yarborough, the senators, Florida state senators, are in- introducing – it's possible that there's a legal gray area where they could force the city of Lakeland to return the monument back to the center of town and force the city to attain the cost as well to return it to the center of town and say that it falls under this SB 1122 bill, which I would encourage you to look at because it's very disturbing. So I had on a couple weeks ago a woman who um, wrote a book. Her name is Z Van Fleet, and she wrote a book uh, called Mao's America, and it's how it's about how she escaped um, Mao's communist, you know, revolution, right, yeah. and uh, came over here. And she said right. there what they wanted to do. One of one of Mao's things was. Um, the four olds you had to you had to abolish the four olds and that's culture that's history and she listed them but the first thing that he did was get rid of the statues number one number one agenda so if it's just targeted toward the statues i think that um i i think i think that's that it's 
coming from a position of this is communist, getting rid of statues is communist. It's one thing what you guys did. You took it, you're like, all right, maybe we don't need it as a centerpiece. Maybe we can just have it right over here. You know, we're just going to shift it, it to another street. So we put it in a Veterans Memorial Park. Isn't that and that's true? honorable, yeah. What Mao would do is he'd melt the statues and, right. you know, so, so I, I understand the perception of, all right, well, taking down statues as communists, it's taking down statues and changing the road names, street names, post offices, things like that. Anything that is, anything that, that reminds you of your history is gone. And that's the, that's, and that's where they start. Every single communist revolution starts with those things. So, so that would be my guess is that it's it like taking away statues is really like towing that line of communism. It is towing that line of communist revolution. We want to not have a communist revolution and Florida. So that's how he's thinking. So it needs to be approached. Now that we know how he's thinking, it needs to be approached in a way that says that's not what it's about. It's just about maybe not making it the center of attention, you know, maybe just shifting it over here. We're not deleting it. We're not burning it. We're not melting it. We're not throwing it away. We're not hosting an effigy of it. We're just want it over on second street instead of first street. Right. And that's what, so, but here's the issue is this SB 1122 mm -hmm. takes away the ability of local communities and local cities to make that decision. And if the governor disagrees with that, he can dismiss locally elected officials who have pursued that course of action, which is the most disturbing part of DeSantis's agenda and the Republican agenda down here. So, so what, and, what you do, and I talked to Congressman Massey about this. Uh, so what you do in a state, in a case where everybody's upset about a bill, he goes, I never get calls to my office and I am a federal, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I'm a representative of the United States. And I never, he's like, but the minute any of us get like 10 phone calls in one day, changes happen. That's when changes happen. So that's something we have to rally our, our congressmen behind it, our state representatives behind it and say, and call their office and say, this bill is bad and here's why it's bad you know i disagree with burning statues too but that should be that should be a local decision it shouldn't be a state one um so so that's that's my opinion on how to how to stop it because otherwise i mean there's really no course of action on how to stop it except to call your representatives and hope that they can see their people the people are would like to rule themselves locally right no i 100% agree with you. Mm -hmm. I just want to make sure that everybody understands how bad this legislation is. It opens up a like, it opens up a, a door for the government exactly. to take over, and that's what's that's what's alarming about it. It's like, and that's David. Can you post some uh, some literature? I mean, we can we can search, but for those who won't, it will be make it easier to, to blast it out. Yeah, drop something in the comments if you can, David, down there in the purple. Okay. And drop yeah. something there yeah, so people definitely. can look it up. It's, uh, Congress, or it's, sorry, Florida State Senator Yarborough and Martin, and I will I will post it, but, like, I've been trying to get out behind the scenes and make it, like, a bipartisan, mm -hmm. like, multi-party thing. But it's, it's very disturbing if you look into it because it goes from uh, local communities getting to decide who gets to make these decisions all the way up to, like, no, you can dismiss a locally elected official if they make that decision. So, yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely. Like, I, I appreciate it. No, yeah. sure, absolutely. And and I and agree. I'll, that's, I'll put it in the comments here, yeah. Yeah, I agree. That's 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 terrifying. That's not good. And what, what 
how tyranny happens even on a state level where we have a very good governor, you know, as opposed to a lot of these other governors, we have a pretty good one. Um, so what they do is they, they get in there and the same thing happens with the left. The left does it all the time, but they're like, hey, you know, Black Lives Matter, right? And everyone's like, yeah, of course Black Lives Matter. And they're like, and here's this club, have this sign because Black Lives Matter. It's like, sure, I'll have the sign that says Black Lives Matter. And then you realize that, oh my God, you're communist. You know, and, and so that's how they kind of get in there. They get in there with an idea that everybody can support, you know, and then it's like Planned Parenthood. Who wouldn't want to plan their parenthood? What a great idea. But then what is that really? That's not planning parenthood at all. That's killing your babies. So well, that's why, like, this was so disturbing to me because, like, in Lakeland, mm -hmm. we, like, we don't have a lot of the racial issues that other cities have. Mm -hmm. Like, I... I'm like a white guy who grew up in a black neighborhood up north, right? And I moved down here and was immediately accepted. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's, there's not like a lot of, uh, so like our Black Lives Matter parade, if you knew anything about it, it was run by churches and we ended with like a multicultural worship session mm -hmm. in the center of downtown. So it's, a lot of the stuff, we feel like we have like this bubble in Lakeland where we all get along here. And so this kind of leg legislation where it seems like there's two senators trying to like capitalize politically on a bill mm -hmm. that if it's passed, they could potentially force us to go against what the community wants. That's very disturbing to me. Yep. You know? No, I agree with that. I think that there should be a separation of powers between the local and the federal government and that really infringes and they're using the idea that, well, you could be practicing communism, and that's bad, and I get that, um, but that's not how you go about doing it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what, like, I've been in, I mean, you guys don't know me at all, right? I'm, I've been in, I've run Republican elections up to the presidential election. I've, I've run Democrat elections up to the presidential election, and I've was like they're both corrupt i'm going to join the libertarian party and and this is like i feel like i have this opportunity to be like i'm in the middle and this is what's best for lakeland and it's just it's just very disturbing that there's two senators who are trying to push this agenda that's like we're going to roll back everything that some of these local communities have tried to done to unify their people mm -hmm in order to uh, advance our agenda because, you know, Florida is one of those states where once you get elected, you feel like you have upward movement. Yeah. Well, that's good. Thank you for, you know, telling that story and drop any information on that bill down there in the comments. That'd be great. I uh, appreciate you, David. Thank you. Uh, yeah, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, Justin, go ahead. Hey, good evening, uh, Justin. Uh, native Central Floridian, it's uh, <laughs> kind of limited these days. Mm -hmm. But I have a question about decentralizing, uh, like, our food supply. And, and just maybe bouncing an idea here. You, you mentioned Thomas Massey, the mm -hmm. great congressman from Kentucky. He, he has his Prime Act mm -hmm. out there. Um, what's stopping the states from passing their own? Much like, you know, your medical marijuana or even some states do their, uh, you know, uh, recreational marijuana if you raise a, a bee for your farm animals or whatever within the state you, you slaughter them what's stopping the state of florida say from from uh, kind of 
using their Tenth Amendment um, protections and just kind of making their own crime act. Um, no, yeah, I mean, I don't think anything's stopping them. I just think they don't know. I mean, Thomas Massey's brilliant. I've actually had him in a space in the past to talk about the, the, the Prime Act and all of these other, like, farm acts that he has. He's he's legit the closest thing to a founding father that we have in action and personality and everything. I'm, I'm with you. You know, he's trying to get it on the federal level, but I, I just I think the states, especially Governor DeSantis, and I've talked to some of the uh, state reps around here about it, I think they're just missing the ball. I mean, they're hitting all around the target with, you know, banning fake meat and mm -hmm. everything else. But, I mean, you, you just come out and you start poking the eye of the government saying, no, we're, we're going to claim this right. And they just kind of back off, much like the DEA doesn't mess with states, even with, uh, you know, uh, marijuana when it comes to uh, recreational use. I mean, you go to Colorado, say, and you come out of Denver, you got to, you know, your amnesty boxes are everywhere because you're going to cross state lines. But within the states, they seem to just kind of leave us alone, mm -hmm. if, if that makes sense. Legal mushrooms in Colorado now, too, even if it's not an issue. Yeah, I'm a 20 year Marine, a current airline pilot. I don't do drugs, but like, I'm just kind of pointing that out. I think that they might just not know, and maybe that's something like we can write our representatives and say, have you seen this bill? Let's get something on a state level. Yeah. You I know, mean, I, they I, could I be that, that there's already, I, I don't know enough about it to really like. There's not. Yeah. There's there, nothing up there at the state level. Is there anything form. at a federal level that prevents the states? I, I don't know. I, I would assume if there is, you know, say the USDA, you know, because the, the agriculture bill, that mm -hmm. that's what. Uh, kind of governs that right you yep. know with the usda and all that's kind of coming uh, i think it's up uh, probably one of the omnibus omnibuses that keeps getting kicked down the road i know it's up for discussion again but um you know you're talking all the rf rfid tags the, you know the, yep. the track safety of the animals the cbdc you know, for your animals yeah that's all trojan horses you know mm -hmm. for for control later down the road you just use basic labor union economics with that you know you, you restrict the supply and you can make it really expensive for the for the big corporations right you 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 ace the the small guy out but um yeah I, it's just something i shouted out to all my bot followers on this twitter page and no one ever <laughs> listens but that, that, that's a uh, kind of you know it's great he was mentioning the agriculture and bill gates and stuff that's one way you know imagine if every state did that you the federal government would drain their resources fighting it. They just won't do it. Mm -hmm. You get what I'm saying? That they'll just yeah let them do what they want to do, sort of thing. And you know, I'm, we're coming up on fair season. I always go buy a uh, a steer from the show. You know, a 4-H kid or an FFA kid, mm -hmm. and I, I have my own my own meat for the year. And but they always require a USDA inspected um, slaughterhouse packaging house to do it. And I'm just thinking. Why, why do we even need that? The, the young kid raised it. He sold it at a local fair. We mm -hmm. should just be able to, to take it to a local slaughterhouse and have it done. But anyways, that's my two cents. I appreciate it. I appreciate you, Justin. Thanks. Absolutely. Uh, let me see. So let me segue back uh, to control oligarchs. Um, so the Soros family, they... They're projected to use their $25 billion empire to influence elections. Can you tell us about that, Seamus? 
Yeah, I mean, you couldn't really write a book about the control oligarchs without including at least a nod to the uh, perennial right-wing boogeyman George Soros, <laughs> rightly so. I mean, he's, a, he's a, another one of these bad dudes. He's creepy. Uh, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there were questions, you know, when uh, when we were designing the cover and, and planning, you know, should there be, uh, should George, will George Soros even be alive um, by the time the book comes out? I mean, he's 93 going on 94. Wow. Uh, but, you know, the more I, I dug into him, I was like, well, I, I wanted to call the chapter The Spawn of Soros, but that was a little too mm-hmm. um, too aggressive. Uh, but it, so it's called The Open Society Scam, Chapter 6. Uh, and it's all about, you know, George Soros has got five offspring, each one more radical than he is. Um, and Alex Soros is the one we all know. I mean, there's Jonathan Soros, there's Robert Soros, and I've, you know, I've got details on each and all of the radical things that they are funding um, collectively and separately. But it really focuses on Alex Soros because he is the heir uh, apparent and actually named heir to the Soros uh, dark money empire. It's, it's always $25 billion, so there's probably a lot more, but you know, that's all we can document um you know for every year you know you look at if you look at the net worth charts just go to the forbes billionaires list and look at mark zuckerberg i mean he doubled up since covid um bill gates added you know 30 billion dollars or so um and and many others have near doubled up i mean i calculate the collective personal net worth of the characters in the book and it easily tops 1.5 trillion dollars we're talking about less than 30 people here um 1.5 trillion and then i you know i also added up all the market caps for the primary World Economic Forum funders, uh, backers, members, uh, sponsors, and these are these are the largest corporations in the world: Meta, Apple, uh, you know, Nvidia, and all of the big tech guys. But you've got also a number of others, Pfizer, etc. And that's topping, you know, with BlackRock, Vanguard, State Street. That tops twenty-five trillion. So, um, and, and, and it's all you know, with all of them combined, it's it's probably north of fifty. Uh, trillion dollars. So that is obviously larger than the national debt. It's larger than the GDP of the United States uh, and China. So in a lot of ways, the World Economic Forum and George Soros is a key member. Alex Soros is also, you know, he's there snapping photos with all the world's uh, leaders. Um, It's more powerful economically in a lot of ways than every country on the planet. Um, And and they can steer uh, every country on the planet. And George Soros individually, I mean, much smaller than a uh, um, you know, a Facebook type entity, um, he can steer uh, every election uh, on the planet and he wages his color revolutions and all of that. His um, DAs, Alex yep. is going to be much worse than George. He'll have the same uh, uh, arsenal of cash, the just unlimited money printer that never seems to run out no matter how many Black Lives Matter protests or Antifa offshoots or funds. Um, right now, it's a big funder of the invasion at the southern border. Um, but uh, regarding elections, I mean, the Soros family does this in a number of ways. I mean, number one, Alex and George are both uh, maxed out uh, in personal contributions to Joe Biden. Um, and then you so that's like the normal way. And, hey, we want that. You know, you want people to be able to uh, contribute to campaigns. You wouldn't like a system in which you say, no, George Soros, you can't. Um, donate the maximum to Joe Biden. But then you've got the kind of more gray area, the Citizens United um, and the super PACs. And uh, of course, he's the number one funder. Uh, like if you go back to the last cycle, 2022, much bigger than Sam Bankman Freed, who was the second largest, you know, with 75 or so. George Soros is up around 200 million per cycle in money given via. Uh, super PACs. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, that's a, that's a controversial issue. Some people would say uh, corporations are not people. They don't have 
and, and money is not speech. Um, other people would say, yeah, money is speech. You don't want to stop that because otherwise it's going to find a way. Anyhow, that's not really a debate I get into. But then you've got the more insidious ways. So they're maxed out in all of the legal ways. Um, then you've got the more insidious ways. And, of course, we see this with the prosecutors. He, you know, and, and prosecutor, you know, district attorney races, things like Alvin Bragg or Fonnie Willis um, or, or any of the other Soros-backed prosecutors, those races are a million dollars buys it. You know, you're not, you're not going to, you know, if you're running for district attorney and you don't have the Soros money printer backing you, you're not going to beat an Alvin Bragg or a Fonnie Willis. And we can see right now how much damage they can do. Um, you know, taking out a candidate. And then you've got even another layer here with the, uh, you know, the NGOs and the think tanks and the other dark money organizations that are not super PACs, things like the uh, Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington, Crew, that is one of its largest funders, is the uh, Soros Dark Money Empire. Mm -hmm. Crew is responsible for the efforts to get Donald Trump removed from the ballot in Colorado, in Maine, and other states. And so, you know, when you put it all together, we don't have free and fair elections. Uh, you know, that's just one guy. Then you add in Mark Zuckerberg uh, with his $400 million Zuckerbox funding <laughs> the drop boxes. And, uh, you know, we, we've got a, a big uphill battle to clean up our elections. And a, the problem is a lot of the stuff, I mean, these guys are savvy. They've got entire armies of lawyers and accountants to make sure that they're doing this the right way. Plus, they've got the entirety of the government on their side. Um, and so, uh, you know, I go through, I name all the names and, you know, Michael Vashon is the uh, consigliere of the Soros Dark Money uh, Network. Um, he's, he's a bad guy. And, you know, I name all the organizations, Color for Change and DNC Services Corp and Democracy Pack and Arabelle Advisors. And, you know, we could spend another hour with me just reading down the list of uh, outfits that Soros and uh, Alex Soros now is is backing, and he's you know uh, on the boards and uh, doing all kinds of stuff. He's really in tight with Gavin Newsom, so they've already got their uh, candidate waiting in the wings. Uh, should Joe Biden drop out? Um, and uh, yeah, I mean that's just the election sides of things. Uh, you know, he's a huge funder of uh, Planned Parenthood. One of the things that you know I expose in the book that has not really been widely reported is how George Soros. Um, and, you know, and Alex inherits all of this from his father, mm -hmm. uh, it, it profits from abortion. And so right now the Supreme Court uh, or, you know, this next uh, ruling cycle will be ruling on a drug called Mifepristone, um, also known as RU-486. This is uh, ke uh, chemical abortions. It's actually the most common uh, method of abortion in this country. And this is the, the pill it's not the morning after pill. This is something that can terminate a pregnancy up to 15 weeks. Um, so it, it's a pretty gruesome actual pro actually process. I mean, scientists, and, you know, it's not a, it's not actually a matter of debate that this is more painful than a surgical abortion. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, this was actually developed by the Rockefeller Foundation. It was actually developed by the successor to IG Farben, which was the uh, uh, Nazi uh supplier of, of, of you know gas for the gas chambers the, the successor entity was Hoechst h-o-e-c-h-s-t-a-g um which was a german company then they passed this ru-486 method of killing babies uh to the rockefeller foundation rockefeller foundation licenses uh this drug to a cayman islands based shell corporation called danko laboratories and so what the supreme court is weighing right now 
is whether or not the Danko Laboratories mifepristone drug received proper FDA approval. And if you look into the filing, it was a, it, it all came out of a lawsuit. Uh, shout out to Texas and uh, Ken Paxson is the one who filed this mm. lawsuit against the Clinton FDA who passed it under very suspicious circumstances. Um, when you get to the bottom of it all, and this has not really been reported anywhere, I mean, it was kind of mentioned once, but people don't realize George Soros is personally profiting, or he was the he was one of the personalities, the control of darks, uh, in addition to, uh, let's see, Warren Buffett and a few other uh, control of darks who were personally profiting from this uh, abortion pill. And so that's kind of grotesque. I mean, even if you're pro-choice or... You know, whether you're pro-choice or pro-life, you know, if they, these guys are so pro-women, as they state, and this is all about, you know, helping women and, and you know, do what they uh, want to do with their bodies, uh, that's fine if that's what you believe. Then wouldn't you be, and, and you've got more money than anybody, you know, you're a, you're a control guard, mm-hmm. uh, shouldn't you be doing this for free? Why should you be profiting from it? And so I think that's kind of grotesque if people realize that the billionaires and billionaires are profiting from this process. It's not just like a charitable good or whatever. Um, they would be kind of disgusted by that. And so Alex Soros has said um, he's going to take his father's $25 billion uh, fortune and plunge it into more uh, abortion-type uh, activities, which – and I get into the control guard business model, how like they use their quote-unquote philanthropies and tax-exempt foundations to actually enrich – You know, for every dollar they give away – I mean I, I calculated it for Bill Gates. For every dollar he's allegedly given away – to his own foundation, he received two, two and a half dollars in return, like it's magic or something. It's not magic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they, uh, they, they've got a very uh, intricate way of taking the tax write-offs from giving themselves their own money and then spending that money on uh, more methods to cash in on their private investments. Uh, and so George Soros kind of pioneered this model. Um, you know, like how do you, how do you give? I mean, it's the whole the whole giving pledge is a sham. I mean, they say, you know, oh, I'm going to give away all my money by the time I die. It's like, and then by the time they die, if they don't give it all away, like, what are you going to do about it? Nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, in the end, they end up just making more and more money, leaving it to their kids. And like, oh look, I gave it all away to my foundation, which my my son now runs and uh, does the same things I've been doing. So um, it's it's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, shell shell games and moving the money around, uh, and at the same time, they're just getting richer and richer. Right. So can I ask a question real quick? Sure. So what is the path forward? Because I think everybody knows how to complain about what's happening. So what do you see as the solution to that? And I'm, I'm asking this honestly, not like politically or anything like that. I just want to know, like, what do you think is the solution to all of this? Yeah, you get to the end of right, especially writing a book like this, but also reading a book like this, and you just think, I mean, we're doomed. Like, you know, there's nothing we can do. It's over. Uh, pack it in, folks. We had a good run. Uh, there's nothing we can do about it. How do you go up against fifty trillion dollars of uh, globalist corporations who uh, want nothing more than to exterminate you and your offspring? Right. And, uh, that's you know, awesome. it's, it's hard. I love that. That's your opinion. <laughs> I'm just joking. But yeah. No, I know. And, and uh, listen, I'll be honest with you. You get. I mean, I've I've learned. I've got a lot better at the uh, the solutions than when I wrote the book. Because I mean, I didn't write the solutions book, and that that's right. maybe yeah. maybe not my calling. I hope someone does write a good solutions book. I do have an epilogue with it's about four pages of solutions, and it's and it's things like I mean, like number one, the number one thing you got to do, and I know the people on this on this uh, space and, and, and Josie's followers, of course, are, you know, the savviest among us. 
So, um, you know, preaching to the choir in a lot of ways, but you got to wake up and you've got to wake up your friends and family. And it's, you know, it it seems, again, I talked about the uh, the the left-wing friend I talked with today who said unlimited is the number of migrants we can take. Um, You know, I know it it feels like banging your head against the wall, but I do believe I have a lot of hope. So that's number one. I have a lot of hope. And you're like, oh, good. You know, help me out here with the hope. is it hopium? No. Uh, we're waking. We are waking up. I mean, there's like last year, uh, Miriam, 2023, Miriam Webster's, which is a woke dictionary, says the number one word of the year that most people search for is authentic. Um, and you see it when you see these uh, AI videos posted um, in, 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 you know, it's like, wow, this, you know, some people are like, this is so cool. Like, it's like totally like real. And I can't even tell the difference. More and more people you'll notice, I've noticed, are like, this is creepy. This is weird. I don't like this. And so the reason authentic is a word that more and more people are searching for is they're craving it. They don't want the fake meats. I mean, the, the fake meats are flopping. And so, you know, that's what are the action items? You've got to get more people searching for words like authentic and, and saying things like, I, you know, I mean, I know plenty of people who once upon a time said, oh, I, I love the Beyond Meat burgers. They're delicious. And it's like uh, not those people don't feel that same way. And so it, it's happening. It's slowly. It's not happening as fast as we like. Maybe it won't happen uh, fast enough, but honestly, we outnumber the control guards a thousand to one, probably a million to one. Uh, I don't believe that they're going to win. I believe, uh, you know, you know, first of all, God wins, but second of all, uh, you know, we are waking up people day by day. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. You can't go back to sleep once you see this. And so, you, I mean, look at the farmers. I mean, the farmers all around the world are rising up. I do believe the the farmers are going to be key in this. I mean, our farmers have not yet risen up um, like they have in Europe. But you see, you, you see it. I mean, this, these have been long, long uh, plans that have been laid out for 50, 60 years, like the Rockefeller Foundation. I kind of go through all of it in Chapter 1. And every time their plans are exposed, they have to uh, take a step back and recalculate. And so it's a constant, you know, kind of it feels uh, one step forward, two steps back. But we really are moving towards two steps forward, one step back uh, against them. And so they're, they're advancing. I mean, I do think that the AI thing is, uh, is going to be a big problem. I mean, you know, we're not sure what you do, but it takes, you know, personal responsibility. You've got to build out your community. And, it, you know, that sounds small, but uh, those are things you can do right now is find out where your food is coming from, find out where everything you get is coming from and not be funding your enemies and, and really be pouring your money into your community. Even if that means going to a leftist in your community, uh, you, you'd be surprised the number of things you can buy locally. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm not going to tell you to go buy a bunch of ammo and, uh, you know, a bunch of land and, and go uh, hide out in the woods or something like that. But uh, maybe think about it. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Thank you, David. Okay. Um, Seamus, thank you so much for being here. How can people support your work, find your book? Yeah, thank you so much, Josie. Um, yeah, just the, I mean, I don't ask for uh, money or, or anything like that um, other than, you know, buy the book and share it. I mean, it's, uh, I'm very encouraged. So I know, I know it's, it's, I'm getting feedback from people that I would, I'm shocked to be hearing from mm-hmm. um, that's really positive. And it's hard to convey that to you, and that may not give you hope, but I'm telling you that I have hope. Um, and you can't, you know, otherwise, why get out of bed in the morning? Um, you know, we really do live in a beautiful place and be on a beautiful planet. And uh, these guys are not going to win. So just believe it, manifest it. And uh, if you share the book, I mean, either buy it for yourself or buy it for someone else. Give it to uh, give it to someone who you know who reads books. Give it to a, a leftist who uh, 
you know, is really griping about the millionaires and billionaires and capitalism and say, yeah, there are uh, parts of capitalism that are problems. Start with these five guys and, and work out from there. Um, and you'll see it's actually the, uh, the people who are in bed with the government are the big problems. Definitely. Great. Okay, so can people find your book on Amazon or is there a specific website that you use? Yeah, well, so, I mean, Amazon, like, the Amazon monopoly is one of the reasons I wrote the book, and mm -hmm. that's 90% of books are sold. Yep. Uh, I don't fault anybody for saving it, and, the, you know, the reason they're putting, uh, you know, local retailers and other, you know, even Barnes & Noble out of business is because it's cheaper there. So I don't fault you for saving some bucks. Books are kind of a luxury good. I think it's probably five bucks cheaper on Amazon. I posted a thread um, it down below where uh, you can avoid Amazon. So there's Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, um, you could try your, I mean, I would, I would recommend you go to your local retailer, but it's, it's hit or miss whether or not they stocked it. I mean, if it's a, sort of, if it's a radical left retailer, as many of them are good chance they did not So mm -hmm. there's a thread with all the links, uh, down below, but, uh, yeah, I mean, search control arcs, uh, on Amazon, it, uh, still auto correcting to controlling arches. So scroll past the controlling arches, whatever those are. And, uh, Get, uh, find Control Agarks. Uh, you can go to controlagarksbook.com. Um, there's links there to non-Amazon retailers, um, or if you want it in two days for $5 less, I guess you have to go there. But then cancel your Amazon account. <laughs> yes. Um, all right, cool. Well, thank you so much again for being here. If anybody has any, you said you dropped that below in the comments down there at the bottom, right? Yes. Okay, cool. So if anybody wants to find that, you can drop down there in the comments. Um, and this space will be listed um, on my page. You can just go back to the space and read the comments there. It'll be in, it'll be the picture of the block, and it'll say host at the top. And that's the one where the comments are going to be and where it's going to reflect that. But thank you so much for being here, Seamus. Yeah, Josie, thank you so much for having me. I mean, I, I you know, go ahead, follow me on uh X here, uh, mm -hmm. it's pinned. It's pinned to my profile too. If you lose uh, the, the the spaces link, but uh, again, thank you so much. I, I had a blast, and keep in touch. Yes, definitely. You too. Um, thank you, everybody, for being here, especially to my speakers. Uh, great conversation. The space is recorded. If you want to listen to it again, if you got here late, um, it's it's recorded. You'll be able to listen to it as many times as you like after I close down the space. Um, I do these spaces on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays from 7 to 8. We went a little over today, but it was it was important. Um, I encourage everybody to hop over to TimCast IRL and check that out tonight. Um, and uh, become a member, help support our work that way. Um, thank you to my TimCast members for being here uh, watching me live. You can see one side of this conversation. I am videoed and I am streaming live, members only, on TimCast.com. So thank you all for being here. Thank you for supporting our work. And uh, this Thursday, I'll have on Leo Severino, who is the executive producer of Sound of Freedom and the producer of his newest movie, Cabrini, uh, which I am an angel partner for that movie. So um, that'll be a really interesting, great space. Uh, so definitely tune in for that on Thursday. Thanks again, Seamus. Everybody take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and I'll catch you out my next space.